right, welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio Podcast number 22. We are counting, of course, with our corrupted numerical system that we have all inherited. Such an encoded world we live in. Who was it? Shakespeare. Uh, all the world's a stage. Truer words were never spoken. The further down the road you get, you realize there is no thing you can look at that is not encoded, that does not fall apart under scrutiny, that did not go down in the way it's been described. It has gotten to the point where when I set out to challenge a thing, it'll be the smallest reasons that get me going, as I did with Woodstock, simply seeing that the footage of the moon they were showing me did not coincide with the new moon that was supposedly associated with the beginning of Woodstock. The other day I was listening to the radio in the car and I heard that famous song by America, Ventura Highway. And of course, I hear the line, Purple Rain. And I thought, really, could it be 44 years prior in 72, 44 being the death doors, so could it be the encoding of the coming death of Prince some 44 years later using the death code? So I looked up the lyrics. And it goes, this, the lyric that holds the Purple Rain comment goes like this, Wishing on a falling star, which Prince was, Waiting on the early train, his early death. Sorry, boy, but I've been hit by purple rain. Ah, come on, Joe. You can always change your name. Looked it up. One of Prince's aliases was actually Joey. But then I looked further, and I'm sure so many people were all over this immediately when Prince died, seemingly a tribute to the Queen of England's birthday, as she released the new beer, Purple Rain, same day, of course, as Prince's death. Uh, they asked one of the writers of this song, what was the comment Purple Rain all about? And his response was, beats me. So once again, we see the likely encoding, the pre-shadowing 44 years prior of Prince's death, which was going to be a tribute to the Queen of England. Are you starting to understand the picture that's being drawn here? It's crazy. The further you get in, you just get to a point where well, I think Shakespeare said it best. All the world's a stage. We're all playing in a skit here, except none of us are playing a portion of writing the script that we are playing. We're the dancing monkeys. We're dancing to someone else's tune. The other night as I walked by a television, I think it was one of the cartoons that's so prevalent on TV, there was some comment about Jewishness and how something to the effect of a non-Jew could not figure out a 9% tip on a $200 bill. And so when I heard that, I realized that, of course, of course, it was encoded. Come to figure out, the tip amount would be $18, which encodes 666. Anyone who can multiply or add knows that 18 holds three sixes. And for those that have followed the kind of false Masonic system we live within, uh, 18 is constantly rendered to mean 666. But then as you look a little more carefully, 9% of 200 is another way to code, encode 9-11. Whenever you see a 2 and a 9 used, you're looking at 9, add 2 is 11. And this is done over and over and over. And to the average ear who is not familiar with what we're talking about, this will seem a bridge too far. But I make no apology. I have seen it so predominantly used over and over again that I recognize what I'm looking at. 
This episode's going to cover viewer questions, and uh, episode 23, which will be the next episode, uh, I believe I'm going to start to cover some Freemasonry and its effects on religion. Um, it's always a bit dicey to do this, because to convey the information at hand, you risk running the gauntlet of people who feel, feel you're going to slight their religion or say something that you shouldn't. So to preface episode 23, I'm simply going to cover what the Free Masonic Movement, the ancient Free Masonic Movement, did to religion and what it means to them. Not what it means to me, but their playbook, at least part of it. Of course, I can't tell you all of it. I'm not an initiated member. I have no way to know anything about the great architect and whether this place has some god or it doesn't. I can only believe what I choose to believe in that sense or try to logic it out. But, as we get going here, let's jump into episode 22. There are, I don't know, pages and pages and pages of member questions of topics that people wanted to address. So let's jump in. Oh, and before we, we jump into the questions, I want to talk about one more thing. You know, everyone's familiar with the British invasion that started with the Beatles in 19, I think it was 1960, sometime in the early 60s. Um, and it truly was an invasion. So many people have done work to demonstrate that the whole hippie movement, the early rock culture, the early kind of folk music that morphed into rock culture was a complete psychological operation and social engineering, uh, all the members of which were connected to uh, military, CIA-type places, intelligence, the kids of members of these types of military organizations. Um, but it was a funny thing because I noticed that on television they had clipped the clock back on MTV to apparently show the first you know, few hours of MTV back to classic MTV or something like this. I don't watch a lot of TV. But I remember it because I actually saw the first video and it got me thinking because I think it was 1980 or 81. I think it's 81 that... Uh, Matter of fact, I think it's August 81 that MTV launched. And the first video, I was there, I saw it, uh, was Video Killed the Radio Star by The Buggles. And I was laughing my butt off because Buggles is almost certainly a play on the Beatles as the MTV was literally the second British invasion. If you go back and look at how many of the early videos on MTV came out of Britain, it's ludicrous. I mean, Hollywood is in the United States, and for the early portion of MTV, it's almost like American artists, with very few exceptions, didn't know how the hell to make a video. As a matter of fact, if you go back and look at some of the early Van Halen videos, it looks like someone did it with a handheld Sony cam or something of the day. Just a laughable video. People walking around in cavemen outfits, and, you know, it's terrible. But all these videos that started out MTV, so many of them, Another British Invasion. Uh, I just thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, I, I had to laugh because I thought of Monty Python. You know, what was it? The Ruddles. Their, their spoof on the Beatles was the Ruddles. MTV's spoof for the second British Invasion was the Buggles or kicked off with the Buggles. It's the details in our history that really kind of show you what's happened. Um, MTV had such a profound effect on my generation. Uh, I remember us all waiting for it to come. We knew it was coming. Uh, we expected it to be a big deal, and for a long time it was. Um, all these 
great musicians that we all idolized at the time. You, there was only two ways you got to see them, in Circus Magazine or Rolling Stone, or you would go to a concert. Um, and back in those days, you did not get a, a camera into a concert. They frisked you. They'd leave the little weed in your pocket, but if you had a camera, that was gone. Um, anyhow, I thought it, it, it was worth mentioning. So let's jump into viewer questions. All right, I've got my viewer questions up, and there are a lot of them. So I'll put the first half up on YouTube, and the second half will go up on Crow 777 Radio. But talk about synchronicity. We're sitting here talking about the British monarchy and its effects on the U.S. Um, I just saw a quarter on the floor as I began to record, and it's a 2015 quarter from Saratoga. And on the back, it says, The British Surrender in 1777... And uh, it shows a male hand clasping a sword and a, what looks to be a female hand either getting ready to grab the sword or letting go of the sword. But for the life of me, it looks like it's getting ready to grab the sword. Um, you should take a look. I mean, anywhere you look in the history of America, Britain is right there. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm getting over a cold. That's why my voice sounds a little funny. It's a funny thing to move from San Diego to New England and begin to consider if we hated England so much that we left to come here, why would we name it new place we hated? <laughs> new England. You can't even go into a town here that is not the name of a town in England. You go to Somerset, you go to Exeter, you go to Portsmouth, you go to Bristol. They're all the same. It's ludicrous to even consider that the history we've been handed holds water. But anyhow, let's jump right in here. There are quite a few questions, so let's see what we can do here, man. Uh, the first question comes from Link, and he asks, what should we do in response to the elite's awareness of our awareness? I ask this because I think they will ramp up the soft kill, i.e. GMOs, chemtrails, RF exposure, ETC, and all distraction campaigns of disinformation, um, which we have seen over these past few years. Um, here's the thing. The biggest problem we face is being able to inform people. Take something as simple as chemtrails. I post videos on chemtrails from time to time, and back a few years ago I used to do it all the time, when very few people, apparently, were ready to accept that this was even a possibility. If we view that most of the things that are done to us are opt-in, <clears throat> excuse me, which means if we have enough common sense and we're paying attention enough, we have the ability to say, no, I'm not going to drink that soda because I read that it's genetically engineered on the label, which is true. That is now on the label of sodas in the U.S. Same is true of every bag of chips you grab. These are opt-in things. You don't have to drink those sodas, and it's emblematic of much of what we see from the system. They put all these constructs in front of you, and you do them thinking, well, this is what we've always done. Where Well, if you took the time to look at it more carefully, you might say, hey man, I've always drank soda, but they're putting on the label now that it's genetically modified. Maybe I don't want to do that. But to get back to your question directly, consider trying to inform people about chemtrails. Here's a thing where the average person, depending on where they live, any given day can go out and look up and there's these long white lines in the sky that didn't used to be there. I would still estimate the majority of people consider that these are contrails because the con trail is the con job 
that has been flown up the flagpole to make the non-critical thinking human being just accept that what they're seeing is perfectly normal. So the real problem here is how can we talk in communities or do anything that matters when we have the majority of us unwilling to even accept that something like chemtrails is a real thing? And believe me, chemtrails is not alone. I opened up this episode talking about all this encoding. You've got to realize that maybe even the majority of the people who are here on my channel now listening to this are already rolling their eyes saying, encoding, what? Numbers, encoded as letters. Completely oblivious to the fact that Hebrew, letters, numbers, the same. Completely oblivious to the fact that we are told Rome used an alphabetic system where they were numbers. All these ancient systems that demonstrate this has been done since the beginning of time, but since they were not taught in school that our alphabet is handled in the same way in the modern era, they can't accept it. So here's what I would suggest. The things you have power to do is to change your mind. To look into things, to get to the root of things, to make diligent decisions with the information you can gather and change your mind and opt out of the situation. Further, you can offer information if people are seeking it. Probably doesn't do much good if they're not seeking it because they probably don't want to hear it if they're not seeking it. In other words, going to your family members trying to beat into their head that chemtrails is real is probably going to be counterproductive. If someone is interested then maybe it's a good time to offer the option for them to consider it. When enough minds have changed, maybe we see some progress. Um, I'm not sure. Each year that goes by, um, it gets a little more disheartening to see just how asleep as a society we are, completely unaware of the staged game we all reside within, completely unaware of the British crown and Freemason, Freemasonry rule over every facet of our society, from banking to entertainment to everything that shapes our society. But anyhow, let's keep moving on. Link also asks, it has been said that we can use the situation in Gaza. Okay, let me stop right there. <clears throat> I don't accept news. The situation in Gaza has no bearing on my life. I don't even know if it even resembles anything the news has ever told me about it. But I do know one thing. It has no bearing on my everyday existence. And I also know I can't do anything about it, even if I wanted to, which I don't. I'll give you an example. <clears throat> Recently, I spoke with a young man who had a similar training uh, as I did in digital fields, and he was from Iran, and he had moved out when he was young, and he's thinking about going back, and as we talked about it, he had informed me that not one shred of anything news or 60 Minutes or any of these supposed information sources had ever said that he had heard in this country accurately reflected the country that he knows, that he was born in, that he grew up a little bit in, and was planning on moving back to. He said it's all a sham. As a matter of fact, he said it's not just a sham. It's 180 degrees away from anywhere near accurate. So... I got to walk away from that question simply based on if it comes from the news, if it's political, it's meant to do one thing. It's a football. And if you want to go play on a game field and punt this thing back and forth and have people get upset and get all wound up in concern, you know, you got to think about things. So that one's got to go to the wayside, my friend. Whatever Gaza is, it has no bearing on your life. And for all we know, it's not even resembling what the news has told us it is. All right. <clears throat> he goes on to ask, 
Is there a Crow's Critical Thinking walkthrough guide? Oh, oddly enough, there is. For the Higher Side Chats, where Greg Carl Wood was one of the first people to interview me, there is a blog on the THC website. Uh, I think it's a blog link, and it's also maybe called Crow's Corner. There is one of the articles I wrote for him. I think it is article number six, Is Death Simply a State of Mind? In that article on the thehiresidechats.com, uh, there is a 10-point breakdown of how I tried to communicate to people what I did to wake up from the dream that I found I was living in, which is not even that accurate to consider myself awake. Um, to begin to become aware of what was going on, I outlined 10 points and followed them for a year and found that after a year, my entire life had changed. Um, very, very, not very often these days when something that is totally fraudulent is put in front of me that I don't smell it within seconds. And I'm not bulletproof. I'm not always 100% right. But big deal. When I'm wrong, I own it. You know, I've told everybody rockets are, are nonsense. And there's plenty of these channels out there now that want to fight about it and defend SpaceX, the multi-billion dollar corporation, which is a bit laughable. You know what? If we find out at some point I'm wrong, great. I'll stand up and own it. I don't care. What I'm telling you is it's fraud, and that's based on a hell of a lot of years of research, and if I end up being wrong at some point, big deal. It is better to try and fail than not to try at all. Let's move on. The next question comes from Jeffrey. Got some questions for you and like to pick your brain about why craters on the moon do not have teardrop shapes. Okay, I can... I'm looking, looking, looking. Okay, I can, I can answer that straight off. In my view, the moon is a construct. In my view, the moon is not the distance. It's not a quarter of a million miles roughly away that we've been told. Uh, it's not a rock in space as we've been told. Many people come and look at my old videos and they see the old, maybe it's a hologram video. And they're unaware that, I don't know, maybe almost two years ago, I don't even know, at least a year ago, I quit using the word hologram because uh, I lack the language to describe what I believe is going on with the moon. I won't get into what I think the moon is, but when you ask me why physically the craters don't look in some way you would expect them to look from being hit, and my answer to you is because they've never been hit by anything. The one true thing we know about life is change. From the first time I ever looked at the moon through a telescope, in the mid-90s, maybe I did it earlier, but the first time I owned a good telescope, I have never seen anything move, anything appreciable change. I've even looked up when was the last crater, and as you begin to look into it, you begin to find the same nonsense you always find. In other words, that thing looks like it's been in a shooting gallery, and yet it never gets hit by anything. Nothing ever changes. How can that be? So I hope that will suffice as an answer for now. All right, the next question comes from Soul Man. <laughs> Another one for the moon. Any thoughts on Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon? Could the instigation for that song have been passed down from the Tavistock Institute? What would be behind the other side of the moon? Um, I'm not familiar with the Tavistock Institute. As I say so often, I don't watch news. I don't surf the Internet very much to include YouTube, so I, I don't know what Tavistock is. Um, but I can say... First of all, the dark side of the moon is not even a real thing, if you accept the NASA description. The side of the moon we don't see is not dark all the time, according to NASA. In my estimation, uh, 
that song is probably just more encoding into the true nature of the moon. Uh, we should remember that that album spent something like, geez, I don't even remember, 20, I don't even remember. I think it was almost like three years or something, I'm guessing, uh, on the number one when that album came out. It was a big deal. I was there. I saw it. I remember what an impact that album had. It, it had it had an effect on popular consciousness, and it lasted years it was on the charts. And I think at the time that might have been unheard of, but I'm drawing from memory, which is always just a version of what actually happened. Um, to answer your question, I don't think any image we've ever seen, <clears throat> excuse me, of what is called the dark side or the other side of the moon is anything more than a construct. And uh, I don't think the moon's a rock in space. Again, uh, for all I know, the other side looks nothing like a moon at all. I can't answer that because I don't have a way to go there. <clears throat> all right, Soul Man has another comment for us. All right, this is about either a particular person or a particular channel, and uh, I don't bag on people. Uh, there's no reason for it. So this individual from this, I guess, channel is very self-assured that the moon landing in 1969 was for real. Is there someone pulling his strings for him to say that? He's not stupid. He spotted the video fraud regarding so-and-so. Why can't he spot the video fraud regarding the moon landing? <clears throat> Look, man, this is all I can tell you, and I say it over and over and over. Belief is the enemy of knowing. There's only really two possibilities with the question you're asking. Either the person has an agenda, and he's pushing an agenda, or he believes so strongly in the moon thing uh, that that's what he's going to portray as true. He's not going to let go of it or challenge it in any meaningful way. It's the only way I know how to go at that. Let's keep on moving down the line. All right, the next question comes from Ohm1138. <clears throat> I would also love to hear what you know about sound frequency, the effect it has on DNA, and why, why we supposedly don't use the majority of our brain. Okay, <clears throat> again, I can point you to the blog on crow777radio.com or to the Higherside Chats website where an article on the weaponization of music is posted. And it gets into this in great detail, focusing on how we tune our instruments. In this case, what's called orchestral A. The frequency is now 440. I've said it many times, death's doors, 44, uh, used to be apparently what was called a verde tuning. For those who know the Latin-based languages, verde would be green. So the green tuning in English was 432. And apparently based on the Fibonacci sequence, which is apparently attributable to how a leaf forms or a living body forms. So here we have this apparently organic Fibonacci-based frequency or some relation to the frequency that was purposely changed by the Rothschilds, the banking cartels, supposedly Nazis, if there ever was such a thing, to the 44 or death doors 44 hertz. Yes, everything vibrates, everything moves. In some of the most ancient traditions you will ever read about, certain things are reckoned that I don't really think are arguable. Karma is an example. A lot of people roll their eyes, but what karma is is cause and effect. We know these things to be true. If I whip a rock into a lake, it's going to make ripples, and it's going to go until it doesn't. It's going to echo offshores. It's going to have the effect of a rock hitting water. Cause and effect. There is no different. Ancient tradition. That all things vibrate is another ancient tradition that I accept, um, and it is worldwide. So many different ancient teachings 
Um, so if we are all in fact vibrating, and that is a true thing, I think it stands to reason that the vibrations we're exposed to are going to have an effect. Now, whether this is anything more than, <clears throat> as in the case of the 44 orchestral A tuning, having a more emotional effect on us, um, I've, I've talked about this so many times. I play guitar, and I know for a fact, if I tune my guitar down to 432, which is only eight vibrations a second different, it is so more soothing and pleasant. When I bump it back up to 44, if I was going to play something like, oh, some ACDC song or Smoke on the Water, you know, a real, a real punchy, emotional rock song, if I put it in the 44 tuning that the banking cartels changed it to, it has a much more emotional heightening effect on the hearer. If I go down to the Fibonacci based 432, it is much more soothing. So at the very base of it, that's what I can tell you for certain. I have no idea what it might do to DNA. I would only be guessing. Let's keep moving on down the road. <clears throat> All right, the next one's from Willard Duke. Since it becomes more and more obvious we live in some form of construct, have you ever speculated who's running the program? This may sound a bit elemental, but at times, it's the simple questions that are avoided the most. Well, I think that last sentence there is a damn true statement. It is the details and the simple things that get overlooked. Look at a rocket launch, for Christ's sake. Um, if you want to believe in a rocket launch, you are believing in things that are so extraordinary, it's just that you've been told it so many times they don't seem extraordinary anymore. If you had never heard anything about a rocket launch, and I said to you, what's more likely? A person got into a rocket and went, 17,500 miles an hour in an arcing motion to escape the velocity we are told you have to go uh, to get off this world, or they arced it out over the ocean. Which one of those fits Occam's razor? Which one is the simplest answer? Well, if you want to use Occam's razor, rocket launches are false because the simplest answer is they arced it into the ocean. But you see, there's more at play here. The media and everyone else is saying, oh, they went up to the International Space Station. They did all these things. So all of a sudden, Occam's razor is out the window. And this even sets aside what we know, like, let's consider a, a Navy jet. I've known some Navy jet pilots. When I was in the Marine Corps, I had a friend that I played in a band with for a while who was a Navy jet pilot. Um, and they wear these suits, pressure suits, to keep the G-force from, I think, if I remember correctly, all the when you get to a certain amount of Gs, the blood's forced out of your head, so these pressure suits push it out of your legs or something like this. I've forgotten. It's been explained to me. Point is, is a jet, you know, the average fighter jet going anywhere near 17,500 miles an hour. And by the way, that number is based on memory. I know it's close. I don't know if it's perfectly accurate. You see, these are the things. But to get back to your question... You're asking who's running this place. Um, on the face of it, we can see that it basically appears that the Freemasonry movement early on through royal families has never quit holding sway over the people. We can draw the line to the British monarchy all day long, and we know for a fact that all the royal families were into the secret societies. We know for a fact that the Vatican was just another branch of a secret society, whether you want to call it Freemasonry or the Elysian Mysteries, or doesn't matter what you want to call it. They're all based on the same thing, which I will talk about in my next show. And by the way, that thing is the sun. And again, as you pointed out, the simplest things, the May suns or the sun in May 
are concerned with the sun. Hint, hint, hint. We'll cover that more next time around. Let's keep on moving. All right, the next question comes from J.D. Dave. I think it would be traumatic to the public, think Kim Kardashianites, to suddenly see every news station covering how there was a glitch in the matrix with some ISS green screen. Or, well, I'll cut to the chase here. So what he's saying here is he thinks it would be too traumatic for society if all of a sudden a news station truthfully covered something like the lie of the International Space Station by covering a failure of a green screen or something like that, where it was all of a sudden completely evident that what we were being presented with was a lie. Um, yeah, I agree with you. But you want to know something? Uh, maybe that old saying, you got to crack a few eggs to make an omelet applies here. And I hate like hell to say that, actually. Because that is kind of the Masonic thing where you tear down society to build your new world order. Um, setting that aside, um, you can recover from trauma like that. And you can do it quickly. Think about the false things that have been put in front of us, like the Twin Towers coming down, the controlled demolition of the Twin Towers, and how traumatically ramped up and amped up the media did that to the whole world. We got over it. Of course, some of us are still under the spell of it. But my point is, yes, it would be traumatic, but man, I'd give my eye teeth to the dentist tomorrow to see a major fail aired on major news. Of course, you've got to realize there is always a plan in place. Not too long ago, I talked about how the Unabomber news was released when a tobacco industry got outed for something. Anyhow, let's keep moving on down the road. The next question comes from Rick S. I would like to hear more about Admiral Byrd's exploration of Antarctica and how he found and how and why he was silenced so quickly. <clears throat> Rick, here's my problem. Admiral Byrd was an admiral, which means he was a military man, which means he belongs to the very things that caused the problems for the average civilian in this world. How are we ever to accept the things we've been told about a military man's mission when we're being told what they want us to hear? Now, I'll sidestep around that for a minute. I have theorized for a long, long time that based on the Mercator projection, the Peters, whatever it's called, map, and all the different maps we have, it's pretty clear that there is no one you know, most likely, that has any clue what the shape of the United States even is. The Mercator projection map that was on your wall in high school is nonsense. It's, you can demonstrate it. And the Goth Peters or whatever it is, I've forgotten. I haven't looked at this in a while. But there are different projections that do different things. But it demonstrates when you look at the supposed Apollo 17 shot of Earth from space, the old blue marble, which has proven to be a fraud construct, it, it resembles the Mercator projection, which is a fraud construct and admitted to be so. So my point would be this. For a long time, I have theorized that there are massive bodies of land that none of us are aware of. Um, there, it's likely. I mean, we see chemtrailing, we see genetic modification and pollution and all these things done to an environment. And the one question I've never been able to adequately answer is why the hell would anyone do this if they got to live here too? Fair question. Damn fair question. Do they have great air purifiers in their lofty apartments? Maybe that's not quite enough of an answer, is it? My point is this. What if say, on the other side of Antarctica. There was, in fact, as is hinted in the bird expedition, uh, more than a continent-sized landmass. We can't know these things. I don't know how to address it, but I can tell you this. There are 47 nations guarding 
what we call Antarctica and what we call the South Pole, which I think are both nonsense, um, and maybe that's the best I can go at it. And maybe that wasn't the most satisfying answer. Let's keep moving on. The next question comes from Human Being. Crow, at some point in the past, you mentioned sun gazing. Would you mind sharing your thoughts on this supposed ancient practice? I would love to, but let me preface what I'm going to say about sun gazing. Since 1995, I've spent endless, endless hours and years looking at the sky to include the daytime sky. If you stare at the sun, you can damage your eyes for good. If you use a telescope or binoculars and stare at the sun, you can go blind instantly. Keep this in mind. What we're about to talk about here is not a thing you can just go do because you feel like it. If you're interested in sun gazing, you need to be taught how to do it. And believe me, uh, there is something to it. I did it while I could until the chemtrails got so bad in San Diego we could no longer see sunrises and sunsets. And when we did, it was so rare. Uh, we couldn't stick stick to the strict way you have to sun gaze, according to the people who do it for 45 minutes at a shot. Um, apparently, there were old masters, we are told, that could do it in the middle of the day. But that is not the case for us because we are like babies. And while the sun is low on the horizon, there's less UV to damage your eyes. But even in that, you start with literally a couple seconds on your first day. On the next day, you add a couple seconds or something like this. So while I can tell you, you do feel incredibly energized from sun gazing. I forget, I think I was up to about 20 minutes uh, when we no longer could pull it off. As a matter of fact, I actually saw what is called Mercury going across the face of the sun with my naked eyes. Um, incredible thing to realize. At first, I was just, what's going on here? And then it dawned on me, and I went and looked it up and realized. You feel incredibly energized, and you feel a sense of well-being. That's the only way I can describe it. Um, but again, it's not something to toy with. You can damage your sight. And that would be a terrible thing. Let's keep moving on. The next question comes from Shaw's1777. My member question is this. Do you think the stars are portals? Do you think the space sky with stars we see is some type of hologram? If not, what is it do you think? I can't tell you what it is, but I can tell you almost wholeheartedly what it is not. In my view, it is not as described. And how can I give an example of this based on the experience that only I have had in this conversation, looking at the, the heavens at night for so long? Here's a good example. Um, <clears throat> I went to the Juno spacecraft fraud website, and there was these like sliver images of Earth. One of them was in black and white, and it clearly showed the Earth bulging, which I thought was ironic. Because there's so many people out asking now if something's spinning at so many thousands of miles an hour with water or gas, why isn't it bulging at the middle? There are certain forces in physics that guarantee there should be a bulge in the middle. We even remember Neil Myass Tyson not too long ago claiming that the earth wasn't perfectly round and all the nonsense from that ridiculous man. Here's my point. When I look at, say, Jupiter or Saturn or... Neptune, all these gas planets out there that are spinning, there's no bulge. They're perfectly round little disks in the eyepiece. How can this be? 
in my mind, this is just one small piece of evidence that backs up a lifetime of evidence now that space has been misdescribed. Many are aware that I think it is likely space is water. So to answer your question, you know what? I would lean way closer to the stupid whatever it was, the crystalline spheres idea than I would the NASA model at this point. And I know that's not much of an answer either, but I can tell you this, I guess. I'll do better than that. I don't accept any description that NASA has given us. And as a matter of fact, if they have given us a description, I feel that that is likely false and fraud in the same breath. Let's keep moving. All right, the next question comes from, uh-oh, going to challenge me here. Kazi, oh, Kazi says so. Got it. <laughs> it's like the license plate game here. Kazi um, says so asks, your thoughts about ufology? Millions of people have witnessed or have had some sort of ufological experience, i.e. encounters, i.e. sightings. You're asking me what I think about ufology, and this is what I have said for many, many years, since all the way back when I used to do interviews on uh, UFO Planet. Probably why I don't do uh, interviews there now, because I think my point of view is vastly different than, than the folks that go there. Um... It's always been hard for me to imagine that we as human beings are the only game in town. Having said that, I have never seen one shred of evidence compelling enough to be anything more than some sort of human technology or construct. I have never seen anything so amazing, and bear in mind, you're talking to a guy who filmed an orb go into a chemtrail and shoot some kind of a plasma thing into it. Um, that's the closest I came to questioning um, could this be from another world? But at the end of the day, I couldn't make that leap. Here's what I can say. If we examine what we're being shown, say, in the mainstream, like some stupid show like Ancient Aliens, um, you know, I make fun of them a lot in, in my video clips, Secret Aliens, I did a video clip on to make fun of them. Um, they're always hearkening back to the same handful of nonsense. Roswell. Bent Waters or whatever it is, Crooked Bridge, or you guys know what I'm talking about, the one in England from the, I guess, Air Force or Army base. It is the same handful of things over and over and over again ad nauseum when, in fact, the footage I have on my YouTube channel trumps any of that nonsense by miles. All these strange objects I've filmed. So here's what I can say. Yeah, man, it's hard to imagine that human beings are the only game in town, but I'm sorry, I've never seen a single shred of anything that lets me even begin to make the leap to aliens. And to top it off, everything we see that covers aliens is clearly nonsense. Roswell being a prime example. And of course, all the people that pushed it, like the guy with the funny beard who looks like an alien himself. Forget his name, Dr. Whoever he is. Anyone involved in these things is spouting nonsense in my view. All right, moving on. Next question comes from... Drummer or Drummer 77. Crow, you named the date of the Apollo 11 moon landing as July 21, 1969, when it's been recorded as July 20, 1969. Did you misspeak, or do you have reason to believe the date was changed or different? Um, you know what? To be fair, of all the questions, I didn't look anything up, but I did see this one as I pasted it into the document I'm using. I did the look up, and it seems I misspoke. Um, but you've got to realize the landing on July 20 still puts the mission there on the 21st. So my little quip about all those sevens still applies. But good catch. Um, 
as I have always said, don't accept what I'm telling you. Go challenge it. Well, Drummer77 did that. He heard me say a thing, and he went and challenged me, and guess what? It appears I was off by a whole 24-hour period. That's how you do that. Okay, next question. All right, our next question comes from either Snipster or Snipster48. Paying the IRS. If all money paid is being spent on fake space or paying the money back that the government has spent, what would happen if people just didn't pay their taxes? I've heard Fed taxes are unconstitutional. Is this true or not? Now, here's the thing. I'll give you my point of view, but I have not looked in this, and I think about two years now. In my view, taxes are illegal, federal taxes. As an example, I live in a town now where if the people didn't pay their town taxes, the roads wouldn't be able to get fixed, the trash wouldn't get collected. I know for a fact that the money that we pay in town taxes gives the people services. This is not true in my view of what federal taxes are. To top it off, and I can't speak with certitude here because I haven't looked at this in so long, but if I remember back correctly, to implement federal tax, I think it was two-thirds or three-quarters vote of all states or something like that, and they didn't even come close, yet they implemented it anyhow, if I remember. But to top it off, you've got to realize there's the whole ethical question on whether or not it is morally, ethically, or legally a thing that can be done to tax somebody's labor. It's one thing to tax, you know, I made chairs and I sold chairs, or some other good. But when someone is physically giving a portion of their life to a thing called work to turn around and take a third of it, um, in my view, that is not only ethically wrong, it's not legal. And I had reasons when I was looking at this, and it's all based in the whole admiralty common law construct and, of course, the idea of how the IRS implemented taxes in the first place. I'm sorry I can't get out that a little more directly, but it's just been too long since I've eyeballed it. I know how I feel about it. But uh, it's been too long for me to really poke it in the eye very hard. Okay, <clears throat> next question comes from Haji. Hi, Crow. Great show. What do you think might be up with the petrified forest? The trees look more like stones than wood, and the centers look like gemstones. Also, the highly decorated mason... Okay, th there's going to be two questions here. Um, you know, I've actually been to the petrified forest, and at the time, uh, two things struck me. The supposed Indian petroglyphs really looked to me like children's drawings, um, and they didn't look to me like something that would come from what I assume, if they existed, were a more advanced race and more in sync with nature. And they were right there. There was a rock like newspaper rock or something. And I remember looking at it and considering, um, is this authentic? And while I can't answer if that's authentic, I can tell you I was questioning it hard, and this was many years ago when I was there. Uh, I think it was the end of the 90s. Matter of fact, I remember it was. It, it was 98, I think, when I was there. Also, the petrified forest itself is a strange thing because you're told when you go in, it looks like set pieces. It looks like someone just went around and set these things around because the environment around it doesn't look anything special. It looks like a wasteland. Um, actually, almost looks like people have dug around. And then you're told that people came and chipped all the best crystals off. So... I don't know how the heck that stuff got there, but it sure as heck doesn't make sense to me that for some reason in this one little few acre plot, there's all these things sitting on the surface. It looks highly suspicious. That's what I can tell you. 
All right. Um, the second part of Haji's question has to do with Admiral Byrd. I think I've already answered Admiral Byrd as well as I can. Um, it's impossible for us to know what's legitimate from Admiral Byrd. He was an admiral. He's in the military. In other words, everything he did was then conveyed through the military to us. Do you suppose they told us any secrets? Really? Do you? All right. The next question comes from Az, Azruel. Azruel. Hope I'm not butchering that too badly. How does AIDS sum up to 33? Well, um, I'm glad to see that you understand that the language we use, uh, the, the, the language called English that's going to become the, the proxy worldwide language is in fact coded. Everything about it is coded numerically. It's great to see that you understand that. How it came to be 33 depends who you ask. Because if you're asking someone, it means they haven't been initiated. In other words, taught why it was done. We had to deduce it on our own. There are some that will tell you this is the calling card of Freemasonry, which would imply that AIDS was made up out of whole cloth, as is the Zika virus, as is Ebola. Nonsense. But I can say this from personal experience. I was alive and old enough to have been adult in the 80s when AIDS supposedly came around. I grew up in a community of sex, drugs, and rock and roll. I lived in a community where if AIDS was a real thing, it seems like I probably would have met someone. And while I heard plenty of stories of the cousin, the friend of, the, you know, stepsister twice removed, the same old story, but I have no direct knowledge, even having a direct relationship to the medical and ICU hospital industry for seven years back in that day when AIDS broke. I had a direct line of knowing into that medical field. Never heard of a single case of AIDS firsthand. That's not definitive, but that's my take on it. All right. Next question comes again from Snipester48. How are the phases of the moon done? If the moon is a hologram, does it light up certain areas during the month? Okay. First of all, as I said earlier, I haven't used the word hologram to try to describe what I think is going on with the moon for well over a year. Um, when I first used the word hologram, people began to concentrate on how a hologram would work, and it was clear that was the wrong description to have applied. Uh, I have since said, it's a facade, and then I abandoned that for similar reasons. I now say, I do not believe the moon is a rock in space, and I believe it may emanate its own light. And when I say believe, I say in my view is what I should be saying. In my view, not a rock in space, most likely emanating its own light. Here's one thing I can say that relates to your question. The last solar eclipse that I ever filmed, in other words, for those who are unfamiliar, when the sun is up in the day and we are told the moon is going to cover it during the day, I filmed it. Um... And I had reasoned out that if the moon is going to approach the limb of the sun, I should be able to use light obliteration techniques with my camera and telescope to image the moon before it got to the sun. For those who do not know, a light obliteration technique basically means you use a building or something to blot the sun out so the glare is not coming into the end of the lens of your camera or telescope. Having reasoned this out, I thought that if I used light obliteration to block all glare from the sun, that the moon should be so well backlit by the sun that I could image it. Here's what I found. I could not image it. 
I used a full spectrum camera. I used my standard 36 megapixel Nikon with a doubler and a telephoto. I used my telescope. I used filters. I did every which way I could, and I could not see the moon until it broke over the limb of the sun. That's a very telling thing if you think about it. Because in my mind, there is no way in heck if you use light obliteration to completely block out the sun, how is it that the moon is not backlit well enough that you can detect it, particularly with a full-spectrum camera, which I use to try to do this. So there's that. All right. Snipester48, second part of his question is about channeling from the star system Pleiades. I got a call, poppycock. Um, come on, man. If there were really advanced beings channeling to here, then why are we still constantly in the same problems? Um, I got to ask. And not only that, like if you go on YouTube, you'll always see that the voices that these people channel in is like the you know, these YouTubes with the weird, come on. It just, it all smacks of nonsense to me. And I don't mean to be insensitive about that, but that's my take. So let me take a little break here and we'll pick up shortly. All right, so that's the end of the first part. The second, um, maybe it's a little over an hour. I'm not sure. I'm not quite done with the edit. The second portion of this show, episode 22, will be posted on crow777radio.com. Um, and I'll just go quickly through the list of things that uh, members submitted. Um, we cover the whole Rodney King hoax. One of the members asks about the race baiting that is so prevalent uh, in the false media. We cover how uh, energy has been a big part of the construct. I mean, from human energy through horsepower, steam, combustion, electric, uh, you know, you, you can understand where that goes. Is there a creator or have we always been the creators? We talk about how B.O.B., the rapper named B.O.B., actually uses the words Lunar Wave in a track he did called Stanley Kubrick. Um, we talk about the system of control. We talk about Freeman and whether or not it's unconstitutional uh, with regard to taxes, social security numbers, tax ID, and the IRS. We talk about the moon Saturn control matrix um, as described on some other YouTube channel. Uh, we talk about whether the, the universe is mined. Sorry, I'm reading the list as we go through here. We talk about space as water. We talk about breaking down words and use the word imaginary, which holds image and uh, magi in it. We talk about consent, uh, how so much of the system is opt-in. We talk about whether aliens and UFOs are real. We talk about whether or not it's even possible that human beings have higher abilities like tele telepathy. Uh, we talk about how so many people out there on YouTube and in other information sources are poisoning the well, purposely putting bad information out. Uh, we talk about whether or not there might be a barrier uh, separating our environment or our atmosphere from space. We talk about the 3D construct and whether or not mediums are a real thing. We talk about the ocean floor and whether or not tectonic plates are a real thing. I used the example of, I believe it was 2010, don't know if I've got the year right, there was a major, or what was called a major earthquake in San Diego that I experienced uh, on Easter Day. And I give my view, uh, because I walked away from experiencing that earthquake with a whole other point of view of what earthquakes are. Um, we talk about 
Christianity, the God of the Old Testament. Uh, we talk about how our calendar and time are jacked up. And this is an interesting thing because I make the correlation that why in the heck is it that we go around a supposed circle of the sun in 365 days, yet a circle is only 360 degrees? Clearly nonsense in my view. Uh, we talk about if there was a creator who created him. You know what, there's just a, we cover everything under the sun. I'm not going to sit here and, and just go through the rest. These goes up to 60 some odd questions here. We cover a lot of things. So I hope I see you over on Crow 777 Radio for the second part. And again, episode 23, which will be the next episode, I'm going to delve into Freemasonry, its effects on religion, but more specifically, um, I've been very interested in astronomy since the mid-90s when I got my first big robotic telescope. So much of Freemasonry has to do with the encoding of astronomy, and particularly the sun, and the moon for that matter. Um, so there it is. Hope to see you over at Crow 777 Radio. Cheers. Cheers.